forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, and His glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high? Who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth? He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifted the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with the princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Turn your songs, hymnals to song number 449. Let's all stand with sing to God be the glory. Oh, 
We'll say another one. 261. 261. I Uh, 
I am all that good medicine. I appreciate goodness, always have. I appreciate good dentistry. I like the way they did it before. I appreciate modern things. And Stanford was great from what I hear. The staff, everyone, the facilities, first class, modern. Everyone was so understanding and helpful to Kristen and Nathan. And they took very good care of themselves. And of course, I wasn't there, but um, of how they uh, were very professional, yet very, very caring about their little patient and put people at ease. And so that's real good. Thank you all for praying for David. Thank you for those of you who fasted on Thursday morning and uh, pray for him. And the Lord certainly did answer some prayers, and that's a real blessing. And so I want to thank you for that. And I'm sure Nathan would be thankful too, and he has been. And he's a very grateful father today that his baby boy uh, seems to be doing okay. Um, thank, listen, thank, pray for your doctor, whoever you go to see, even if it's a tripler. <laughs> <laughs> Pray for your doctors and nurses, whoever they would be, because they do need prayer. And we have been praying that God would guide the hands, that God's hand would guide the hands of the surgeons, and praise the Lord that he did. Uh, birthday today is is a little four-year-old, one of our grandsons. What is his name? <laughs> Ethan's birthday. Let me tell you about Ethan. There's a little catch today. Ethan. The other day, of course, we were, Grandma and I were um, babysitting and feeding and clothing, everything else too, for one solid week from Saturday to Saturday. And let me tell you something, we love the kids, but boy, it's just hard work. And so my advice to you is to just have one child. <laughs> we'll adopt the Communist Party policy, one child family. But it is certainly hard work. Yesterday after Nathan came home, Miranda said, I am so tired. I am so tired. But it's a good tired. It's a good tired. I, I, I just, but it's a good tired. And so Nathan's back for maybe a week or so before he flies back to be with Kristen and then bring her back eventually. And so we'll go back to the routine again. Oh, yes, Ethan said the other day he was praying for food. The kids take turns to pray for the meals. And uh, whose turn was it? Ethan's praying. You know how Ethan prayed? This will make you feel good in human nature. He said, Dear God, Please bless our food. And thank you that Grandma and Grandpa can watch us and be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> that was really cute, you know. You had to have been there. And we weren't smart enough to record things, because, you know, but it just is very impromptu. And then this morning, he walks up to me at 6 o'clock. When he gets up, walks up to me. First, he walks up to Grandma after she recovered. And she get up. Grandma, guess what today is? It's her birthday. He comes up to me. Guess what today is? Before I can answer, it's my birthday. And today in church, yeah. um, he's in the Chinese room now. Yeah, he's in the Chinese room now. He told his daddy or somebody, when are they going to say happy birthday to me? <laughs> oh, We'll sing happy birthday to him when we eat, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he is looking forward to so much. His little, his little tender heart is so genuine, so real. It is so refreshing. Adults can be insincere and uh, fake, but uh, little kids can be very sincere. So we, we, we like that. We like sincerity, honestly. Um, let's see here. Today is Pastor Appreciation Day. 
And uh, I do want to thank those of you who gave me some little consumable gifts today. <laughs> it is back by Hugh's desk in safety. He said it might get some rats might get into it. I know which rat he's talking about. It's like you and a mini rat. But uh, it's past appreciation day, and I told some guys, you know, um, I would rather this day be for uh, giving appreciation to other pastors. So there is a, a card for Nathan, Chinese pastor. And uh, then there's a card I have for, for Hugh. That is, both cards are made by Loretta. You should see the card. You should see the card. Well, I will show you the card. It's beautiful. Homemade card. Hugh, come, Hugh. Homemade card. She, she said she took a day to make two cards. Now, if you want to have her make you cards, her charge, her fee, I'm <laughs> just kidding you. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I, I told I told the folks about past appreciation. I'm always a little bit embarrassed and feel kind of uncomfortable. So I thought this year I would instead honor those who are not senior pastors, but also as important. So this is this is for Hugh. This is for Hugh. And let me just let me just say that um, uh, from a great for church for what Hugh does, a lot of things are behind the scenes. He sits back there in his desk, munches his snacks, does things for the for the computer, does the video and things. He does a lot of things that we appreciate. Uh, if you know Hugh, he's very helpful. Uh, he's always there to volunteer for the help in what way that he can. That's just the way uh, this this man is, and so we appreciate that he is um, with us and has been for many years. And so, uh, the genuine real McCoy, uh, the real Yonomini. <laughs> and so, thank you Hugh for your service. Thank this you. is an appreciation. Now, I want you to open that card. There's something in there for him. There's a card in the card. He doesn't know what this is. In appreciation. Yes. It's a pretty fancy card. It is. Thank you, Loretta. Good job, Loretta. He can't even see from here without his glasses. Okay. Now there's a gift card here from Costco. Hey, everybody can use a gas card. <laughs> Absolutely. That is a Costco card to be used for gas. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I don't know how much twenty dollars will go. <laughs> if you live in California, it's five. What did Nathan say? Five sixty a gallon in San Francisco, and it's impressive. Good thing a little uh, hybrid car to use. All right. Uh, let's see here. We're glad you visitors are here with us today. I, I heard you folks coming from Seattle. Outside. Yeah. Outside Seattle? Okay. Thanks for being here today. And uh, this this gentleman here from Kalihi. And uh, back there is a, uh, I was going to say fellow Marine, but that's not true. Fellow Marine with fellow Marine there. So we appreciate you folks being with us today. And we appreciate your regulars being here today. Let's stand up, shake hands with each other and our guests. And then we'll continue singing. Everyone stand, please. Chop, chop. Ayaku.
obviously somebody wanted to uh, get all the chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 for just a moment, then we'll have a seat. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, now the air conditioning is going to be fixed hopefully this month, and so we're going to endure until the end. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and then we will go to Acts chapter 20. First, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter as you turn to 2 Corinthians, Paul the Apostle defends his apostleship. He has critics. He has enemies. They accuse him of being a false apostle. 
and he addresses those issues in this chapter. But if you come down to verse number 28, 11:28, Paul wrote this, verse number 28. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, take care of all the churches. The things that are without are the things of verse number 24. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. The things in verse 25. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was, was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. The things that are without are also, verse 26, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils of the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. The things that are without are verse 27, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, verse 28. Beside those things that are without, those are the things that are without him in his ministry. That which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Notice that part in verse 28, the care of all the churches. The care, the things that bothered him, the things that troubled him, outside of the churches. He says, these all are the things I deal with, but besides that, the care of all the churches. You know that the Apostle Paul's ministry was one of trouble from the very beginning. Burdens from the very beginning, heartaches from the very beginning, misunderstandings from the very beginning. The care of all the churches just added to his burdens of ministry. But he's not complaining. He's just saying, he's just telling you, this is what it's like. Today, I'm going to step back from me being the pastor of the church. And I'm going to be the guest preacher today. So I'm not me today. I'm going to be the guest preacher preaching for the pastor of this church on Pastor Appreciation Day. Do you follow me? Yes. Or as the modern people say, you feel me? Yes. Now, I don't want to feel you. I don't want you to feel me. But I want you to understand where I'm coming from today. So do you understand? I'm stepping aside. I always feel uncomfortable preaching about matters that involve me or the position that I'm in. And so I'm going to pretend I'm not me. I'm going to step aside. And I'm going to have me step here, but I'm not me, and preach as if I am preaching for me. Does that make any sense to anybody? No. We're going to get a third person report here about being a pastor of a church. His relationship to the people, the people's relationship to him. That's where I'm going today. And that's why I'm going to step aside. And it's not me preaching, but it's an alias. And... What do you call it? Somebody else. A guest preacher from the South is here today. He is from Tennessee. And that's me. Let's pray. Father, we pray for your help today. And it is my intent that the folk understand what the Bible teaches about a local church and about the pastor, the people, and etc. So I pray that you give us a blessing. Strengthen us. And that is my goal today in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. All right. Now, there are some things I'm going to say today. Uh, there are going to be some, some anecdotes and illustrations, some examples. Some of it is from, from here. Some of them are from elsewhere. But 
I'm going to tell you some truthful things that you need to know about and to be reminded about. I'm going to speak for the pastor of the church. And so I'm the guest preacher, and I'm going to tell you some things you need to know. Paul says the care of the churches, uh, his ministry is very burdensome. And the care of the churches really is about him as a man, as a minister of the gospel, as a preacher, as an apostle. His burden was, more than anything, the health of the local churches that he planted. When he left the area, left the city, he always wanted to know how they were doing. Wherever he would go, he always would write back and send people back to see how they fare, see how they're doing, and if there's anything they need to have, and he would admonish them through letters uh, carried by trusted men. His concern was for the churches. Now, having said that, I want you to come to six, uh, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. We go from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 28, to Acts chapter 20. We will spend our time in Acts chapter 20. All right, now the Apostle Paul is about to leave the Ephesian church. He gathers the elders together. He will never again see them. He is leaving them forever. As far as life is concerned, he's gone. He's leaving them. He's giving them final words in his farewell. He's, he's admonishing them. He's warning them. And he's telling them his heart. And so he's speaking from the heart of a pastor in Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse number 18. And when they were come to him, these are the elders of Ephesus, when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came unto Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying weight of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Now, what you find in short passages of Scripture here about his words to the Ephesian elders is very applicable for the local New Testament church and for the pastor of this church because he says some things here that you ought to remember about the pastor of the church and how he is to be and how he is trying to be for the church. He says in Acts 20, verse number 18, I have been with you at all seasons. I have been with you at all seasons. Let me just quickly draw some lessons from the words and uh, there's much to be to be dug out from the verses, but let me just say for today's purposes and for today's sake that there are some things for us to get. Now he says, I have been with you at all seasons. Do you know that the pastor of your church has been with you at all seasons? He has been with you when you're happy. He's been with you when you've been sad. He's been with you when you've been prosperous. He's been with you when you've been poor. It's almost like a wedding vow thing here, you know? He's been with you all the way through in all seasons. Paul literally was with them in all seasons like the pastor of the church is with you at all seasons. Right. Through thick and thin, through good times, through bad times, he has been with you. That's just the way it is. That's just the thing that he does. And he has been with you very faithfully, diligently. And that's because he considers himself a servant of the church. He considers himself a servant to the people. He does not think that the people should serve him, but he thinks he should serve the people. Paul refers to himself as a servant. Let me read some verses to you. Acts 20, uh, let's see, 1 Corinthians 9.19 For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Paul says, I'm an apostle, 
But I don't lift myself on, my, on a pedestal, and I don't want you to adore me, idolize me. I want you to know that I'm here in this town, in this area, in this church, to be a servant to you. He came to serve. The Lord came to serve, did he not? Did he not demonstrate that service and uh, humility was paramount in his life when he washed the disciples' feet? Service. Paul says, I'm a servant. He also said in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 and 6, who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers, who also have made us able ministers of the New Testament. From the very beginning, Paul said, I am an apostle, but disregard that title, look at me as a servant. You know, the pastor of the church doesn't think of himself as somebody great or mighty. He thinks of himself as a servant. Uh, a servant does one thing. A servant serves. Duh. Uh, I didn't know that. I knew that from the very beginning. He knew that from the very beginning. That whenever he got put into the ministry, he was to be a servant first of all. Not a big name, big shot, highfalutin, uh, climbing the climbing the ladder kind of thing. No, no. That is not the aspiration. The aspiration has always been to be the best servant of Jesus Christ possible. Amen. Serving. Being a servant. And so Paul says, I'm a servant. Now, some men enjoy attention. Some men seek it. Uh, the pastor of this church does not seek attention, does not seek to be well-known, does not seek to be anything that he is not. Now, if he's known to be a servant, that's a good testimony. That's a blessing. But he's not aspiring to be a well-known TV evangelist preacher type guy. He just wants to be a, a humble servant. And so, uh, though he is sure of his calling, he's also sure that he is just but one in God's vineyard. You know, God's a lot of servants. He's got a lot of ministers, got a lot of pastors and churches all over the world. And he's just one of them. And he is supposed to do this. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of his ability which God has given to him. That God in all things and preach and teach with how God has enabled Do you know that the pastor of the church knows that he has certain gifts and abilities? And he tries to exercise them. And he knows that he is not the one and only. Neither is anyone the one and only. As soon as you say about someone, that's my favorite. We understand what that means. The man of God should not think he is the best if he is someone's favorite. Sometimes people joke with me and say, you're the best pastor I've ever had. Well, that's kind of a like, uh, you know, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I think it's a compliment, but I don't know what that means. But I know one thing. I know that God has a lot of men in his vineyard, and they serve in different capacities according to how God has gifted them. And they should all be appreciated for what they do. Now, uh, there's no room for self-promotion in his eyes, and there really isn't. That is not the goal. The goal is to be a good servant. And with many tears, she says in verse number 19, Acts 20, 19, he says, I have been with you in all seasons. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. Look at that word there, tears. What does tears indicate to you? When there's a, when, when there are tears shed, it means one of two things. There could be tears of joy, tears of happiness, or tears of sorrow. Many times it's tears here. The reference is about tears not of happiness or exhilaration or victory. It's tears of sorrow because of disappointments and heartaches. You know that uh, there are a lot of things that discouraged the Apostle Paul. A lot of things made him feel bad about those that he ministered to. Now let me tell you about 
about your pastor and how many things discourage him. Now listen carefully, because this is, he would never say this about himself, but I'm saying it for him. <laughs> kind of funny, isn't it? But he is saying things that you need to hear and be reminded of. Things discourage the pastor. Uh, some of these are, not, as I say, not of me, but of others. A man and his wife led an inmate, a female inmate to Christ in another state. They spent 18 months with her, discipling her, giving her a Bible, helping her to grow. They traveled, they traveled, let's see, the distance was at least an hour, at least an hour one way to the prison facility to spend time with her on visits to teach her the Bible. They spent all that time. They were there for her at all seasons, literally spring, summer, fall, winter. Time rolled on. They were having such an enjoyable time. They both were very encouraged with her. By the time of her uh, release came, they picked her up. They bought her clothes. They helped her transition into society. They helped her to find a place to rent, to live, gave her job contacts. They did everything possible to help her. She came to church for about a month. She was baptized. They were so happy for her. This pastor and his wife were so encouraged by how she was apparently growing. But then after a month, something happened. After a month, she began to taper off. After a month, she began to miss church services. After a month, she began to not answer phone calls. After a month, there was no reply to phone calls. After a month, there was no replies to the knocks at the door. Both of the, the husband began to um, get discouraged. They began to think maybe we were being used. Maybe we're being uh, manipulated. Maybe this is all a big scam. And after a while, this pastor said to this pastor, not me, but the other pastor, the pastor of the church. This pastor told the pastor of this church, he said, you know, we finally just quit visiting her, trying to get in touch with her. We come to the conclusion she was just using us. You know, it's very discouraging to have that happen to anybody. Our, our, 18 months, everything is in the upward trend. Everything, all the right answers, all the interest, Bible being marked, everything looked like genuine conversion, a genuine, a genuine redeemed soul. And then she got distracted, got back into the world, and then never saw her again. Very discouraging. That pastor eventually quit going to the prison because of that one experience. It just hurt him so much. When Paul talks about tears, he's talking about sorrow and disappointment. You need to remember this. The pastor of the church is a man like anybody else. And he has feelings like anybody else. You gotta remember this: that things encourage him and things discourage him. You gotta remember that. Don't look at the pastor and say he should not feel like that. Well, who do you think you are? You think the man behind the pulpit is a robot? A robot is replacing a lot of workers nowadays. You notice that? Fast food places, even in hospitals, there's there's replacement of people because they're more dependable, they're more efficient in many times. And uh, people are losing their jobs. They don't need the human element. They just need the technology and the software now. And they can do a lot of things. I, I was talking to someone who flew. I don't know what airline was. I think it was United. He said, we were talking about something. And um, he said this. He says, I was asking about dangers of being in an airplane, past airplane, uh, running out of fuel. He said, oh, don't worry about that. We have plenty of fuel. We'll never run on a few to our destination. She said, the only problem we have is we have to circle around the airport. <laughs> That's when we have a problem eventually, but we can fly for a long time without worrying about fees. Don't worry about that. And he says, you know, we can even go, and here's where the conversation is. 
We can even land a plane with our eyes closed. Just put an autopilot, you can land it. I said, you kidding me? He said, no, dead serious, dead serious. He said, it can land by itself. So you don't need, like in the movies, some, can anybody fly an airplane? This guy, I can. I once flew 80 years ago, a bi-wing airplane. <laughs> and then the, car, the tower talks now. He said, it's never like that anymore. Never has that been like he said, it can land by itself. We don't have that visibility. It can land by itself. The technology is there. I said, well, my wife would be glad to hear that. Because she's afraid of flying over the water. Would you like to know why she's afraid of flying over the water, Pacific Ocean? You folks have no initiative, no interest. She's afraid of landing in the water where there's sharks. I said, honey, you might even survive the hard landing. Don't worry about that, sharks. <laughs> she says, I don't mind crashing on the land. I said, what? <laughs> what kind of logic is this? Are you afraid of landing on water? But you're not afraid of landing on the ground? Anyway, uh, white woman, you know. <laughs> Tears. Paul says, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. Can I tell you that the pastor of the church has experienced tears and certainly shall experience tears too that you never know about because it's not necessary to know about them. It's really none of your business. It's not for you to bear, it's for him to bear. Phone calls at all kind of hours saying, I need help right now. And you call a deacon, go with you. And the problem is unresolvable. The problem is beyond help. It's gone too far. The violence is just too much. It's got to call the cops now. Got to have them taken away, separate them. Tears. Then there are times in which people uh, make you feel like they really love the Lord. And it makes you feel like that they are growing. They want to serve the Lord. They want to be a part. They want to be involved. want to do all these things. It makes you feel so good. And then after a while, they drop out. And then there are those that are like the demonses. Every pastor has a demons. Every pastor has a demons. In which this young man so zealous, so full of zeal for the Lord, everything, that person just is the, the epitome of what a young fire Christian ought to be, but then the fire flickers, the flame flickers, and then there's, there's a lessening of zeal, and pretty soon there's that same old pattern again. That's very discouraging. It brings tears to the heart of a pastor. You don't see it, you don't see it, you don't see it. It's kind of like women who put makeup on their face to cover up blemishes. You know what a pastor does sometimes? He covers up the tears. He doesn't want you to know about them. It's like, I don't want them to think less of me. I don't want them to think that I have feelings. I'm supposed to be pretty much above these kind of things. But truthfully, the Apostle Paul says, serve the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. He didn't just say tears. He said many tears. We do not know, other than what the Scripture tells us, how many tears the Apostle Paul shed. We don't know. Only God knows and only He knows. We just have the written record of what he said, but I can say probably, likely, it's much more than what he wrote down. That's just the nature of the ministry. And so the pastor of the church has many tears that he goes through. Many tears he has cried about over people, uh, people who quit church, people who don't tell him about what bothers them so that there's a possible remedy. No, it's all of a sudden I'm gone. There was one time a pastor in North Carolina, he told me, he told the pastor of the church, he says, this, this man, 
He brought his Sunday school material on a Saturday morning. He put everything on the steps of the church and walked away with a note. The note says, I'm gone. All of a sudden, dropped all the material, Sunday school lessons, faithful teacher of 12 years, just dumped it off at the church steps, went off, never to be seen again. He had no clue what's going on. He never told the pastor, I got a problem with this, I got a disagreement with that. Nothing like that ever took place. Nothing to preempt, preempt that. He just masked it, covered it up, and finally he had enough of whatever. Who knows? He doesn't know. And all of a sudden, that's the end of that. Where's so-and-so? Where's oh, Nothing to say. Don't even know. A total surprise. Um, many tears. Charter members of the church. Faithful for years. And all of a sudden, they drop out. You call them. You visit them. At first, there's a, a tepid response. And then, and then, you know, and then there's, a, there's a returning for a while. And you feel good. And then afterwards, there's a withdrawing again. It's like a yo-yo going back and forth. And pretty soon, gone. One thing, gone, gone, gone. And don't you know that brings tears to the pastor of the church? Because you have no idea. You're so surprised and stunned about what's going on. You try to make yourself transparent to say, look, if there's anything, just let's, let me know so I can, we can, it's probably not that big. Usually it's not, but it becomes bigger and it just festers and becomes like a, just a big pussy sore. And it's just got to be popped. And why did it get to that point? Well, the pastor is the last one to know about things because people keep things to themselves. And there's a surprise in the end. There's nothing else to be done except an explosion, so-called. And it's just, for the people involved, it's justified. For the pastor involved, it's tears because he's caught off guard, blindsided, totally caught off guard. And so uh, people think the pastor's a mind reader. That's not, a, that's not true at all. He cannot read minds. Uh, he can't even read his Bible sometimes. He can't read minds. People don't see. You can only know about what's going on because of how people talk about things. And even then, sometimes that's kind of not real sure. And Paul says, serve the Lord with humility and with many tears. Ladies and gentlemen, do not, do not, do not say or do things that causes your pastor to get tears and cry over things. Uh, better to solve things, better to reconcile things, better to get things straightened out than to let things come to a head and there's nothing to be done. The decisions are been made by that point and you're going to drop the stuff off, so to speak, and you're, you're gone and he'll never know why. He'll wish he had, he wish he had an opportunity to, to discuss it, but you never give him an opportunity. You never give him an opportunity. And that divorce that took place, uh, Pastor, we're getting a divorce. What? Yeah, we, we can't work we can't work things out. What are you talking about? Yeah, we talked about this and we're just gonna call it call it quits. And I say, and I say, the, the pastor says, Well, why don't you bring it up to me? I have no I had no idea. The answer was, I didn't want to bother you. Didn't want to bother you. You know that bothered me? That he didn't want to bother me? That bothered me that he didn't want to bother me. I don't know why he thought I was I was so, so important I could not be bothered. That brought tears because it went through. And that was a real tragedy. I thought that was avoidable. I'm just saying, these things do happen in a church. And that growing brother, uh, that growing sister involved, now gone. 
that doesn't bring tears of joy, quite the opposite. And then there are these other things that discourage the past of a church. Uh, that growing brother who begins to doubt his church and his past because of online sermons that he hears on YouTube, things he sees and things he hears, and he begins to question things of his church. He begins to question doctrine. He begins to question, is, is our church really the right church to go to? Is it really biblical, this church of ours? Is the pastor really preaching the word of God? He seems to be soft on this issue and that issue. And this online preacher, he focuses on this issue, and he's a hellfire and brimstone type of preacher. He's, every time he preaches, he's always reading on some issue, some current event. That's the kind of preaching that I want. We don't get that at our church. Why, the pastor of this church, he don't rail on people every time. Well, sometimes he just teaches about to help people grow. And we need real preaching in this church. And he gets discontented. He gets unsatisfied. He feels unfulfilled. He doesn't listen in church anymore. And then he's out the door. You know that brings tears to the eyes of the pastor. To compare online preaching to local church, 52 weeks out of the year preaching, teaching. You know that online preaching is kind of different from being in a real church. Because in a church, you're supposed to feed the flock. That covers a lot of territory. Look at verse number 20. And how I have kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I have showed you and taught you publicly. Do you know that sometimes, sometimes if you're only occasionally visiting church in a church, you get bits and pieces. If you're with a church for a period of time consistently, you get you get a steady diet of a balanced teaching and preaching. But if you go to some site and you get a real fiery, and he may be right. I mean, this issue may be really right, but he expects that every week. That's not possible. You gotta have some balance. You can't. I grew up, now I'm back to me, I grew up in a church setting of independent Baptist where everything was about soul winning and witnessing. Every every teaching, every Wednesday night, every Sunday school, every Sunday night, every Sunday morning is about how to be saved. Every every service was about the Romans Road. Sunday morning was guaranteed Romans Road. You have to bring your Bible. It's gonna be the Romans Road. And that's the kind of upbringing I had as a young Christian. Guarantee you this. Sunday morning is going to be Romans Road. Sunday night, let's uh, follow up on the Congress. Let's da 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 da. No teaching. Do you know that when I, when I proposed to Miranda, she uh, obviously accepted. I couldn't see how she would have denied it. <laughs> did you know that I should have got marital counseling before I got married? And did you know that? The pastor of that church at that time did not give us any marital counseling. I'm not sure why. Maybe he thought we were spiritual enough, which is not the case. You always need some marital counseling, no matter what you are, who you are as far as your broken Christ. And so we had to do a lot of fighting in our early marriage, a lot of arguing, a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of miscommunication, a lot of things that brought into our marriage that was not good. Preventable, avoidable. But because of the lack of any concern for families and couples and these kind of matters, we had to go through a period of suffering unnecessarily, we think, because had we been taught things from the pulpit, we would have avoided some, some problems. Now, thank God he turns bad things into good things, okay? Romans 8, 28. We learn from our mistakes, but we want to avoid mistakes. We have to go through them. That's because we were not being fed. So it's, it's tears when people compare online to local church all the time. 
It's not fair, but people do that. It's accessible, it's everywhere. Help yourself, it's a free country. But to keep this in mind, there's gonna to have to be some balance. Gotta have balance, you gotta have balance, you gotta have balance. That's my middle name, balance. Cam, balance, Ching. No, that really means to some Cam, compromise or Ching. That's what some people think. People think you're a compromise, you get balance. I mean, I don't, listen, I just got through, I don't know how many weeks, I lost track of First John, chapter 1 John. We finally finished up today. And, uh, you know, people are murmuring about, oh, when are you going to get to preaching? You know, I, I can't understand that kind of remark. We, we go through Revelation on Wednesday. Oh, when will we get to the good stuff? <laughs> what do you mean good stuff? We're going through the Bible. Isn't that good stuff? People are always trying to compare. And that brings tears to the past because he cannot, he cannot attain, uh, attain to their expectation. It's impossible. So we give up trying. We're just going to be what God wants us to be, period. And so still it brings tears. And uh, then Psalm 41, 9 says, Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. That's a prophecy about Jesus Christ for sure. But it is also applicable to a local church pastor, which he gets stabbed in the back by a loyal, loyal associate or assistant. Oh, that hurts. The other night, the boys were playing with a made up with a homemade wood toy knife. Caleb had made one, it's about that long. It's kind of and painted red. And he was playing with it, and another brother took it from him, and this other brother took it from him, did that to him with that gesture. And it sounded really bad when he was caught doing that gesture. He's gonna stab his brother with a knife. Of course, he may he said he claimed he didn't intend to hurt him, but it looked like he was. You know, some people do that to the pastor, not with a wooden knife, but a figurative knife of disloyalty and right in the back. And that really does hurt. I was just reading about um, Custer's last stand and how he made some tragic mistakes in leadership and how the massacre is so violent and so vile, no kid should to, to read about it in his actual uh, history. He was really bloody, just really bloody. And... I wonder if it's not as bloody when someone stabs the pastor in the back. A loyal staff member, a loyal member, a loyal teacher stabs him in the back. That must hurt. That must hurt. That must bring tears. You say, well, that would never happen in our church. Hopefully not. So far, that hasn't happened. But human nature is human nature. And things get under our skin. Things get into our heads. We think silly things. We fabricate things. It blows up out of proportion. And pretty soon, you are justified in getting out the knife and stabbing him in the back. Boy, that hurts when that happens. I know pastors who've had that happen to them. It hurts a lot. You hurt for them. Tears. Many tears. Not just a few tears, but many tears. Oh, and that Christian family that always invites you over for dinner. Oh, they're so, they're so, uh, they're so, so appreciative of your ministry. Oh, thank you, Pastor, for being here. Oh, thank you. We just appreciate you so much. And you went, oh, so uh, you feel good about that. They make your favorite deal, meal, and all these kind of things. Favorite dessert, favorite ice cream. It's so good. It's so nice. It's so it's so encouraging. And then after a while, it turns out that they're the ones who are stabbing in the back by gossip. Boy, that hurts. That hurts. I mean, I don't know how much that hurt, but that hurts. And then you just stunned one day, you wake up like, what? 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 Hey, did you know? No, I didn't know that. What? Are you kidding me? Them? Not them. No, anybody but them. 
Yeah, that hurts a lot. Just stab the back like that. My own familiar friend. The brother you trust can fight it in. Sometimes pastors don't tell other men friends in church. And I have men friends in church. That's okay. That's okay. Some people say, you know, you should never have a friend in church because it didn't you evaluate this this uh, pulpit people, you know, no, I don't feel like that. I feel like it's okay for men to have men friends in church. My wife has friends in church. She's my wife, she's pastor's wife, but uh, it, you know, she likes, she likes you, she's your friend, you're her friend. Uh, I am your friend, I have men friends. Francis is my friend. I don't know why I'm his friend, but um, uh, we're friends, and Mike and, and these others, others are others, we're friends. See, we're friends, but yet we have our relationship that we maintain, we're friends. We can talk to each other. And he says here that my own familiar friend, whom I trusted, uh, sometimes if you get burned, you're very guarded after that. A pastor had staff members in a school. They were school staff and also staff on the church. And they began to gossip about the pastor. And word got around to him. He could not believe that these people gossiped about him. It was confirmed. His suspicions unfortunately were confirmed and he was really hurt that people and it got so bad that he was suspicious of everybody uh, when I was a youth pastor I would take kids in this uh, other building uh, to have prayer requests with them he'd come in he was parent he'd come in he pretended to fumble through some card files and things all while he's listening to what we're talking about he was paranoid because he was stabbed in the back by staff people question question our motives question and uh, doubted what we were saying never could feel confident that they were really for him maybe they were against him it just really hurt many tears many tears uh, people will thank the past profusely for helping him and his family they're the ones who caused the trouble tears many tears uh, people accuse the pastor of being a hero of the stories that he preaches Whereas only what he was doing was being an example. Paul said, Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And yet members accuse him of being the hero of his own stories because when he talks about witnessing, when he talks about memorizing verse or other things that we should all work on, the, the person comes up at the church. You know, Pastor, this happened to the pastor of the church. You know, Pastor, you know, I find it odd that you're the hero of your own stories. I said, Really? In what way? Well, you said this, and and this person was kind of smug, like caught you and nailed you, got you, did that <laughs> that attitude. Really, what it was is uh, trying to be a good example of what a Christian should be. The pastor should be what the pastor should do. What he says you should do, isn't that right? If I say we should carry tracks, pass them out, we should do that, isn't that so? Of course, I should not tell you to do, and I don't do. I should do what I say you should do. And trying to be consistent, be an example of a Christian, what you should do, it so happens I'm the pastor. I try to do that, and I'm criticized for doing that, being a hero of my own story. I did so and so to Christ, da 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 da. Well, you're just trying to be a hero of your own story. No, I'm just trying to be an example, like what you should try to be. No, it doesn't work out like that. In that person's mind, many tears. You see, many tears, many tears. Serving with many tears. And so, uh, can't tell you about them. But sometimes those tears turn into not sorrowful tears, but anger tears. Sometimes the pastor gets fierce over the, the, the foolishness, the, the unbelievable thinking that goes on to cause people to, to act in such 
such bizarre ways. He, he can get angry because I can't believe that. Why would you think that? Why would you do that? It's so unlike you. It's so unlike a Christian. You know better than that, but you're still doing that. It's like unbelievable. And you get so angry, you cry. You ever got so angry, you cry? You've never been really angry until you got so angry, you cried, and you couldn't talk. I got so angry with my wife a long time ago. We get to arguments so heated. Why am I telling this? You're going to listen. Learn the lesson. Get so mad, you can't even speak. You just cry because you're so angry with her. And she's so angry with you. The screaming has died down because you lost your voice. All right? You can't, you can't scream anymore. You just cry. You just, in frustration, I can't believe you're such a knucklehead. I can't believe you're so dumb. I can't, I can't. And you just, you just cry yourself to sleep. You say, what? Yeah, well, let's be real. It happens. Let me clarify. It used to happen. It doesn't happen anymore. Let's be fair. Let's be honest. Honest. Let's be balanced. That was a long time ago. It didn't happen last week. <laughs> Just to let you know that, all right? Ah, uh, tears of anger, tears of disappointment, tears of sorrow. It all comes with the responsibility of being a pastor of a church. Now, what gives him tears of joy? Oh, let me say this. When it comes to serving, when it comes to being available, the pastor has said, call me anytime, which he didn't mean. So you know what happens? People call me anytime. <laughs> call me anytime. I've said that publicly, and some men actually have taken me up on that. 9.30 night, 11 different times. Sometimes I spend that. It didn't matter because I was used to be up late. Now the early calls, I never took. The five o'clock calls, I never took. Evening calls, I would take. It's because they took them a word, I just want to be available for them at all seasons. Okay? A man came, a man who was in the church, um, worked not about four miles from where I used to live in Aya. I said, he had problems, we were trying to work it out. I said, why don't you come to my house after after work and we'll sit on our porch and drink coffee and eat whatever and we'll talk about things. So he actually took me up on that. He'd come to my house uh, in Aya on the way home. We stop, watch me cough for us, and we have to eat it and talk on the porch for I made a mistake to not say, okay, let's talk for about an hour. He go way past, he got off at 10. He went way past midnight many times. But see, I didn't care too much because I believed I was trying to help him. He had to talk, get off his chest. You know, sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes you just can't say, hey, knock it off. Sometimes people just can't knock it off because you say knock it off. Sometimes you say, Look, cut that out. Okay, easy to say, but they can't just cut, cut it out yet because there's stuff going on underneath before they knock it out. And so it had to go like that, you know, and so um, went on for a long time. Not every week, but many times in a week, three, two, three times. Sometimes on Saturday, I said, no, don't come on Saturday because it's, it's you know, Saturday and then Sunday coming after us. No, no, not on Saturday. But we can ask many times that in season, out of season. See, that's what Paul talked about. And that's what the pastor of the church does too. He doesn't mind doing that because he believes it's a ministry. He's a servant. And sometimes people ask him to give him a ride, give people a ride. He does that gladly. He thought that he had a car to do that, to, to serve people by giving them rides. People think, well, no, I'm not going to ask because that's like, no, 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 no. I've all said I got a car for a reason. It's to, to drive me around, drive my wife around, and drive you around if need be. Uh, I wasn't trying to encourage slothfulness. I wasn't trying to enable people to be lazy. I was just being available. 
And he has been like, I've been like that for many, many years without complaint because I had nothing to complain about. God gave me a car that was very dependable and I could get around. I like to drive. And so I do things like that for a lot of people who are able to drive for themselves. Why catch the bus when I can take it down there? Plus, you can give me lunch. That was a joke in the ending part there. <laughs> so I am trying to explain to you the relationship with the pastor of the church is that he's a servant. He's a servant. He's supposed to serve. But along with serving, along with serving comes many tears. Now, here's what you can do as a body, as a church. You can be, you can be faithful to pray for the pastor of the church. And you can be faithful to grow as a Christian should and not be babies, but grow up. Grow up in the word. Mature. Put some meat on your bones. Stop being a baby. Stop being a baby. There are 35-year-old babies. There are 40-year-old babies. There are 55-year-old babies. They're immature in the faith. They know nothing besides John 3.16. You need to grow up. That'll be a blessing to the path of the church. You need to have an interest in learning the Bible. That'll be a blessing to the pastor of the church. You need to want to learn more and grow more and have a sincere interest in uh, uh, to dig deeper. You need to want to practice living the Christian life. That'll make him very happy. That'll give him tears of happiness. Don't you want to make your pastor happy? Amen. <laughs> I do. So what will make him happy are the opposite of what makes him sad. The tears of joy are the opposite of the tears of sorrow. This is a hard message to preach, so I had a guest preacher come in and tell you these things. And so, um, I'll end with verse 20 again. How, how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. I have showed you and have taught you publicly, so on. I have kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. I have showed you and have taught you. Now, the disclosing of scripture, of truth, not just on our favorite subject, but on the variety of subjects, is how it's supposed to be. And as far as the pastor is concerned, his job is to go through the Bible and teach all of the counsel of God, not just teach pet subjects like soul winning only, missions only. Not only that, see, even prayer is a very important subject, but even that is, could be a hobby horse. Anything can be a hobby horse. So you have to go through the Bible through a year's time and over the years to cover a lot of territory. To, to cover verse 20. Now, I have had Hugh teach. I've had and Mike's two teaches. And I give Mike things to teach. And he has a lot of liberty to teach things. But this is to give you this is to not keep back things from this profitable to you, to show it, to teach you, to give you a broad education in the Bible, not just from my voice, but from other voices. Do you, do you understand that that is my job, to give you the Bible? Hopefully you like it, but if you don't like it, it is still my job. And my job is to tell you the truth. And if you like the truth, good for you. If you're not on the same page as I am, and I'm not teaching heresy, you should you should comply. You should do what the Bible says and believe what the Bible says. It cannot be everything that you like, and that's why you come. 
It has to be because you're getting a steady balance out of the Word of God. You have your favorite restaurants? I have a few, but I don't go anymore because it's just too expensive. But um, I like simple stuff, but also I like a variety of things. My favorite, one of my favorite dishes is my wife's corn chowder. Have you ever had my wife's corn chowder? It's got bacon Man. dish in it. It is like, I pay money for that. And then she makes me uh, beef curry, the Japanese style. Beef curry with carrots, lots of carrots. It is so good. And then she makes me a tuna casserole. That is so good. Those are my three favorite. And she makes good spaghetti. Now, I love them all, but I can't have spaghetti every day of the week. I love the curry and beef and carrots, but I can't have that every day of the week. And I love whatever I said, but I can't have that every day. I get tired of it. I got to have a variety. I got to have it mixed up. I love, I love her to make me cookies. Isn't that spiritual? I love for her to make me oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. Not the round thing, you scoop it like that, you know, but I like it when it's kind of on the flat side. And after 10 minutes, after it's out of the oven, I like to sit there with my ice cold milk and just indulge. But I can't do that every day. I gotta have some sugar cookies. I gotta have some, you see, variety. You know what you need in church? You need to have variety in church as far as different topics covered. And that's why we do what we do. You can't have only one thing. And when people grow, it gives them real happiness and joy. It makes it worthwhile. Now, for what it's worth, that is my, my message for Pastor Appreciation Day. You need to know what pleases me in that sense, in that, in that context. No man deserves the preeminence except Jesus Christ, okay? Only Jesus Christ gets all the preeminence. Right. All right? Yes. But the man of God, the Bible says this, that the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Right. So there's a balance to all of this. You should not, listen, I end with this. You should not think the pastor of the church, while his rewards are in heaven, he needs no rewards on earth. That's silly talk because of that verse, 1 Timothy 5, 7. That's silly. That's unbiblical. Neither should he be exalted like he can walk on air like he's perfect. I heard a man on YouTube say he is Jesus Christ. The man did not say, I think I'm Jesus Christ. He says, I am Jesus Christ. You know what that kook is? He's a kook. That's not a man of God. A man of God says Jesus Christ is all preeminence. I'm just an under-shepherd. Yeah. I have some respect due. I have some honor due. But I'm not God. That man is so out of whack. That is such heresy. That's such blasphemy to say he's Jesus Christ. This man asked him, can you walk on water? You know what the man said? He did this. Then he said, can you walk on water? You say you're Jesus Christ. Can you walk on water? The man who says that Jesus Christ could not answer. You know why? Because he's not Jesus Christ. Right. Right. He's a phony. Yeah. People believe that though. So. Amen. I'm done. I've said what I wanted to say. Now let's pray for our food.
we will get to it. Thank you, Father, for the Word of God, which helps us to be what we should be, pulls us back to our core, which is the Bible. And I pray to help our church, this church, our church, be a church that honors Jesus Christ as the head and the shepherd as the under-shepherd. And the under-shepherd treats the people with respect and dignity and love and compassion and kindness and firmness as needed. And help us to have the proper relationship where we can be truthful with one another without fear of punishment or consequence. We all need to be honest before God, be biblical in our living and thinking, and there is no problem when we conform to the Word of God. So help both of us, pastor and people, to be what we should be. And I pray to help us to love one another as we should, and stand by one another as we should, and strive together as we should for the health of our church. It is our church, and we should do everything possible to love it and to cherish it as you do the bride. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you for the food.